Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good evening and welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast. I actually could just talk for the whole podcast. I don't need anyone else. I could just wax lyrical about for the whole day yesterday, but no one wants to listen to me all night. That is for sure. So, James, welcome back. And Chris, it's so lovely for you, for all of us to be together, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Since like the dynamic trio have been together but uh, yeah looking forward to it lots to unpack tonight i know i know christopher still buzzy absolutely buzzy i yeah. loved all of that yesterday hook it to my veins i don't know how we're even going to get through the whole show without just going backwards and forwards on the whole day but we're going to try everyone on audio welcome everyone in the chat room welcome and it's lovely to see Barnaby, if you want to put his post. Barnaby is our resident United fan and said to me on Twitter yesterday, I'll be there. Not sure if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd go on a United podcast today if what happened happened. However, oh, so you haven't been hooking yourself to Goldbridge's comments because let's be honest, <laughs> poor old Goldbridge has been pretty ragey. And, so, uh, as a football fan, Sometimes you just enjoy a bit of, sorry, Barnaby, but you just enjoy a bit of Schadenfreude. And so watching his, no, get out, get out. I couldn't help myself, but watch that a few times. I actually did watch it, Christopher. And I tweeted him and asked him to come on tonight because he's been on this show a couple of times. Needless to say, I didn't get a response. And needless to say, I think it was when I said, like a couple of dogs, trying to shag on roller skates or ice skates. It has to be the best term I've ever heard for Maguire and Evans, but we will get into that. So the fact that Mark Goldbridge lost his, you know what, it, it is funny to watch, but I, I don't even know where to start. I think, I think right at the beginning and everybody get your questions in. We will 
put them in during the show. We'll talk about everything we all want to talk about. Um, everyone wants to talk about the same thing. The fact that we beat Man United at the Emirates 3-1. One of the funniest things for me was, just, just one of the funny things was, when I sat down and saw the team when I was sitting in my seat with the blazing sun, which was bizarre in September, I sat there and I went, do you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring on Jesus with 15 minutes to go because they'll be knackered and he'll run at them. He hates them anyway because he's an ex-City player, isn't he? And Cole looked at me and went, well, that's not enough time, is it? But then everyone's realising that we don't have 15 minutes to go anymore. It could be 25 minutes. So, yes, it is enough time. And then one of the other funniest things was the whole way through, Cole kept saying to me, it's a good time to score. It's a good time to score. It's a good time to score. And at one point I looked at him and I went, we're going to score now. And Declan Rice pops up. No, honestly, those are my two little funny things. So, James, anything funny before we actually go into the match that happened to you yesterday? Anything funny that happened to me yesterday? Are we talking about in actual life or just related to the match? Because my whole life is just comedy gold at the minute. <laughs> I don't know if you heard my little... Uh... No, not rants, but a little monologue about my hybrid picture frame on the preview show yeah, with JJ God Almighty. What a disaster. This isn't funny, but I'm pleased to say to uh, eagle-eyed listeners of the show, that makes absolutely no sense. But you know what I mean? To those that tune in regularly, I have got a new picture frame. The hybrid print is up on the wall. It's not this one behind me. It's in the hallway, but it's looking spot on. So, yeah, that's not funny. But for me, to put up a picture frame, personal achievement. So, yeah. Because uh, I was watching you on the preview show because James is doing preview shows now and uh, on a Thursday evening with our mate LL Cool J. Sometimes Wednesdays. Sometimes Wednesdays. Maybe it's Tuesdays. Not set, it's not set in stone, but there's going to be a preview <laughs> show most weeks. If we're playing on Wednesday, it'll be on a Monday or a Tuesday, <laughs> or it could be on a Sunday. So basically, But you know what you should do? You should subscribe. Then you don't ever miss a show. Come on, Chris, you missed that. Seriously. That You're right. in marketing or whatever you do. Anyway, moving on. Um, no funny things that happened to you two yesterday. Because the fact that I actually predicted Jesus was going to come with 15 minutes was absolutely bizarre to me and the guy. Can I tell you, I'm a bit like James. Uh, nothing funny to me happened yesterday. In fact, the opposite. Um, I was massively, stinkingly hungover. And so... Yesterday, I found it real struggle trying to muster myself to drag my sorry carcass from my back garden. I was literally at 11 o'clock in the morning. I was lying on a sun lounger in the back saying to the wife, oh, God, I've got to travel on the net line, which was closed from Bacon. Oh. So it took me an extra 20 minutes going on the, the hottest line in the world at the time, which is the Victoria line, getting up to Highbury and Islington. I felt rough as old boots. And then to add to compound uh, more misery pre-game, I lost my wallet. So oh. this morning, reordering all my cards and all of that. Oh, no. oh, a nightmare. So thankfully, like there was some cosmic karma and we got that last minute uh, winner because let's be honest, there's nothing better than scoring so late that the opposition can't respond. It's the greatest feeling in the world. On earth, it really is. And I think I think everything about yesterday was incredible. But let's just go back a little bit. So we all predicted, me and you did 2-all, Chris. Uh, LL Cool J did 2-1. But our James, that way, that way. Again, second prediction on the trot, isn't it? You went 3-1. 
What can I say? I mean, I had a feeling we were going to concede at home. It, it's just inevitable. I would love to go for a free 4-0, but at the minute for any home games, I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet, yeah. which is a real shame because I'd love to have more faith in this defence. But I... What I wanted it to be a lot more comfortable. I didn't think it would be 3-1 in the type of manner that we got the victory in. It was certainly a lot more cagey than I'd like it to have been. But look, what a game. Jesus Christ, you live we'll for games like that. We, we do. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it too much. but No, because I just want to go back a little bit because it was a little bit... If, if you're on social media a lot, and not everybody is, but if you are, the fact that... A, a rumour came out about party being injured. James, I saw you lose your, <laughs> your rag about. That's it. It's all over if party's not playing. Did I say we, that? Well, yeah, you did. I don't think you, I said that. I think I saw a tweet of yours I, and I was I like, oh, bless the wrong person, Amanda. I definitely did not say that. You didn't say that about party I did not when say, the rumour came out? No, I didn't say it's all over if we lose party. I said we'd be in trouble and I still maintain that we will be. Look, if he's out for a sustained period, whether it's six weeks or eight weeks, we've got the Champions League coming up, the League Cup. We've got a lot of games to combat. And as good as yesterday was, it was absolutely brilliant. The reality is this squad is thin and we will be you know, coming up into some tricky situations, I feel. So, it, it, yeah, it is a worry, but I don't think it's the be-all and end-all. If I can offer a trademark oh, Chris like Howard rebuttal, we've got Declan Rice. Now, again, I'm touching wood as I say this, but that man, I've, my brother's a West Ham fan, it doesn't get injured. So, I don't want to curse it, but oh, that Michael man doesn't get injured. So, we've got Declan Rice, mate. Don't worry about it. And then for those rotation games... Jorginho can come in away, you know, for the Carabao Cup against Brentford. Let's give Jorginho really a goal. Say that? Please don't say that. Please, please don't say that. Because often players come to our club who've never been injured. But what I wanted to talk about, just quickly, because I wrote this down, actually. Um, Rob Holding goes for four million and the whole world seems to fall apart. Bear in mind, no one wanted him to play for us. And obviously, there was no offers for him. And it gets him off the wage bill. And bless Rob Holden. He did his best when he came in. And why shouldn't he go and play first-team football? That's my opinion. We can talk about that. And the next thing is Arteta's presser. Did you all see when he tried to explain to the guy who questioned him on why he was playing Thomas Party at right back? And then he explained about a journey and everything. So, boys, did you see any of that? Yeah. Yeah. And what, and what was your take on it? I'll let you go first, Chris. Um, well, given that I lived and spent a lot of my life around that area, it was quite nice to reminisce about the different variations that you can, uh, ways you can get uh, around the M25 at the North Circular, uh, north mm -hmm. side of it. But um, I think it was scripted. I think Arteta, uh, sometimes I, I used to think it's about Arsene Wenger. Sometimes they just sort of have a feeling like they're going to be asked something and they've got themselves a little sort of story behind it. And I think it was exactly the same thing. He was scripting that. He he was playing to the galleries a little bit. So take it with a bit, bit, of, bit of a pinch of salt. Um, the whole 43-36 formations get the thing. I mean, we don't play that many, that level of formations. Like in game, things change and player positions change. Um, it was actually quite interesting to get some insight and intel as to how the manager views matches, in my opinion, because clearly he sees passages of games and the way in which it's structured. And it just underlined to me that the detail that Arteta goes into is something to be quite hopeful about because we turn up on a Saturday or a Sunday and we just watch 
and we are partisan and we have pa- we, we have the passion and the desire. Like I watch football matches that aren't Arsenal and I analyse teams and I think, okay, what formation are they playing? Who's pressing right here? Like I started to watch the Wolves versus Palace game on the journey over and it was like, so who's who? Where what, what are they trying to do? Like what, what are the two teams trying to do? When I watch Arsenal, I can't do that. Um, but when you start to watch them again, you can start to analyse matches. But it's just nice to see that you've got a manager who clearly does a lot of prep for everything. And actually, it's the reason we're in the position that we're in. All right. Another reason is we spent a lot of money. But it's also because Arteta is so methodical about how we set up. So I've got no problems. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. But then I'm a little bit biased towards Arteta, aren't I? I just think that... How dare you question that, to be honest, because that's his tactics and that's the way he he sets the team up and everything. And I didn't have any issue with it. Did you, James? No, not really. I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah I of, do. Uh, above all <laughs> I else. I don't think like... it's scripted at all. But anyway, it might be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of uh, premeditation in there. I think there was a little bit with his post-match uh, interview as well, because he was definitely anticipating that question on Kai Havertz when he came out with that um, little little piece about him and how he met his wife. Um, <laughs> that that definitely felt like something that was cooking up in his head. And I wouldn't you know, be surprised if Arteta did think about these things in that detail. I said it from day one. The man is an absolute psychopath, not in a bad <laughs> way. But in a, you know, I don't think you us, mean psychopath. Oh no, I do. No, I do. he does. I do. I, do. I think he <laughs> you know, is mental, but in in a way that is benefiting Arsenal, and I have got no you know, problem with that. Do you know as well? I'm just going to jump in there on Cookie as well. I bet you, you're right, mate. I bet you, anybody in the world, the day before, so on Saturday, he was in front of the mirror, like talking to himself, like talking to himself, going like, "So, Michael, you asked a question about this. What are you going to say?" And he's probably like practicing his lines about not his only that chris but he's probably you know sat down for his lovely family meal he's got his kids there his wife and they're all trying to make a conversation with him he's there with the salt and pepper shakers trying to figure out new formations so you go, is the pepper gonna be parte at right back is the salt gonna be zinchenko in the mid-? i can definitely see him doing that and i'm telling you it 110 percent happens if you watch the all or nothing documentary he lives breathes yeah. eats drinks sleeps football that's why i love the guy and Wenger did the same thing, didn't he? He's lived, eat, breathe. That's it. That's all they know. Um, just a quick one on Rob Holding, because that's the news of the week. Um, are you disappointed, Chris, um, for the fee? Because I'm sure you're not disappointed he's gone, because no one wanted him. Um, or are you thinking, here we go again, we should have got more money? The fee, the fee, basically, when it was talked about 4 million quid, you're thinking, like, we're all, as Arsenal fans, we are, like, pre- um programmed to be uh, amateur accountants and so we're always thinking about oh how much are we going to get for this and that it's not because people say it's not your money no I agree but when you have instances where your team isn't investing because you know that they don't have the money to invest that's when selling players actually becomes important Um, with the holding stuff it was bad when it was four million quid but the fact it was like a million pound like that we get and then two and a half million based on performance related payments. I can guarantee that I could look at half a dozen Premier League signings from one Premier League club to another of a similar ilk and they've gone for double that fee. I haven't done the research, but I do the research. Uh, but um, yeah, it's just if the fee more than anything else, it felt low for a guy that's 
27 years old, that's made quite a few Premier League appearances, that's an experienced player, and it feels like, once again, we're just being sort of shafted. But I don't think we should talk about that because he's not an Arsenal player anymore. Let's focus on the United going. Yeah, it's, no, it's only a little bit, of, uh, and we're going to come to Havertz as well because Arteta asking for Havertz, love. Um, and I do believe that if a player puts a top on, we have to give him love. Um, unfortunately, he didn't do so well yesterday. But let's move on to the game. Where does everybody want to start? Do you want to start with the team? Do you want to just jump in? What do you want to do, boys? Because it was, I, I start at the beginning for me was the atmosphere from start to finish was incredible. It's the best we've had this season. Second of all, North London Forever was the loudest I've ever heard it sung. We were up for it. The sun was shining. We were behind the boys. Um, Obviously, we had Ben White back, uh, right back. We had the back four that everyone wanted. Zinni is so important to our team, as we know. Um, and unfortunately, yes, Party was injured. We don't want him injured for long, that's for sure. And then, I, and I as I said, I sat down and I realised Jesus wasn't playing. I was like, yeah, yeah I know what he's going to do. That, that boy's tenacious and he's going to come on. I didn't predict he'd score, but I thought that's what Arteta would do. Hot afternoon at the Emirates. And... I mean, I would like to just talk about the referee as well, as well. But just talk us through the first half, um, Cooks. What was, what did you make of it? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I still feel we're a bit clunky. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I thought we were perfect. And I still think there's work to do. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of the ball and we just weren't doing that much with it. But I do think we were better than we have been in the opening three games of the season. I thought Martinelli was fantastic. Saka, I still think, is warming into the season. I thought Erdegaard was very good. You know, got the goal, obviously. Um but it was all us, basically. United had absolutely no threats. And I've seen a hell of a lot of praise for uh, their new goalkeeper, Onana, um, oh off the God. back of yesterday. And I can't get my head around it at all <laughs> because, OK, he saw a lot of the ball. He used the ball. He recycled the ball. But the only time it was accurate was between the likes of Lindelof 
and uh, Lissandro Martinez. Apart from that, he tried a hell of a lot of balls over to Marcus Rashford, never tried it over to Anthony. Every single one was mopped up by Ben White and William Saliba. I have absolutely no idea where this praise for him is coming from. I've got nothing against the guy, nothing nothing against him whatsoever. I'm sure he's a fantastic keeper. He might turn out to have a really good season for them, but I didn't see it yesterday. But what I find startling about Manchester United is they're so good in the transition, but they seem to have shifted their focal point back towards their defence and their goalkeeper in particular. They have put so much emphasis on this guy being the spine of their team single-handedly. You know, they've got no attacking threat when they are on the ball away from home. Absolutely none. Anthony, barely in the game. Rashford, barely in the game apart from the goal. Martial, may as well have not played. Fernandez, where was he? Like, I'm not digging into these players because it's the, just, just for the sake of it being Manchester United, but they just weren't involved in the game. And it, it, you just have to look at their away record. It speaks for itself. Against the top nine, they've won like one game in 14. It's, it's dreadful for a team like Manchester United. That is dreadful. You know, Eric Ten Hag, people should be seriously pointing the finger at him for that because for Manchester United, that is really, really poor. And had we lost that game yesterday, which it looked like we might have done, I think that would have been, you know, absolutely detrimental. But, you know, I'm not going to get into the second half. Really disappointed to concede against the run of play. It was United's first chance of the game. That This has happened too much where we concede with the opposition's first opportunity at goal. That's something we have to have to eradicate. Um, it was far too easy for him. Havertz loses the ball, who seem, can't seem to do anything right. He should have scored. He had that fantastic opportunity to put it in the, the back of the net. Kick, I'm, it, yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about Havertz later as well. But, um, you know, very entertaining first half for the neutral. I mean, to, to come back as soon as we conceded, just brilliant character from this side. I just wish we hadn't left it that late to go on and win the game. But yeah, a good first half overall. Just talking about Onana, he actually made my nerves bad. And if he played for us, I'm not sure I could watch without screaming every minute. I mean, although he didn't cause the goal for us, there were so many times that he was he was so far out. I kept saying we should love the goalkeeper. It was like he was playing in like midfield at one point. And not for me. And I don't see anything special either. Although slightly disagree with you, and I know my stats won't add up. But I think they were a threat going forward, but they didn't have much end product. However, every time they got the ball, I was nervous. I thought they kept the ball quite well. So, Chris, so the first half, okay, um, I, I, I'm, I think United had something like 50 or 55% possession. It was roughly the same, you know. Overall, the whole match, it was 55 to 45 what, we were 45 or was the other way around? No, we were 55. We were 55, okay. Um, I've seen a lot of people arguing about who deserved it. I felt we did, but we'll go into the second half soon. But the first half was interesting for me. Um, I don't feel like Guy Havertz can do anything right at the moment. I think he's got confidence issues. I think he's got issues with the fans. I just think that we need to get behind him. And Arteta's right on that. We don't choose the team. You know, we're not involved in that. Whoever he chooses, we have to get behind. I didn't hear any boos or anything like that. I'm not saying anything like that happened, but I think he can feel it. When he miskicked in the, I think I could have scored that and I'm useless at football. It was, it was such a shame. You know, if that had fallen to Saka, Erdegaard, Martinelli being back of the net because their confidence is high. What do we do about... If it had fallen to Granite Jacker. It would have. Any of the... I'm not, I'm, anyone. I'm just saying. But it fell to him. 
Eddie would have got it. He would have scored. Uh, It's such a shame that it's... I think that we do need to show him some love because I do think there's something there. And I said it about Vieira last year when everyone was on Vieira's back. Next season, when you used to do that one in, one out, one bangs or whatever it is, Chris, through the summer, I said Vieira. And and he's coming good. And, he, and he, you know, what a pass. However, I don't know about Martinez. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be brilliant next year. But what do we do? We've got to give him support, Chris. Yeah, um, it wasn't an amazing performance from Kai Havertz, or Harvards, as, uh, as some people are, are suggesting that's his name. Um, I think he's just a, co- it's a confidence player that's been playing in a system at Chelsea that hasn't really worked and yeah. it's not started off great. Like, I'll be honest with you, in-game, in the ground yesterday, I'm turning to my mate Nick, who's next to me, and saying... Like that that's not good. That's not a good look. Fresh air kicking from just outside the six yard box box. It's not a good look for an elite an elite, you know, foot Premier League footballers at the top of the league are supposed to be elite footballers. That's not great. He gave the ball away for the um for the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was him that was the, the mistake. But do you know what? I, I, we'll get to the second half, but if we're talking about specifically Kai Havertz, I would say that the second half was a was an improvement. That first half was not a good look. I think the f- the way that the game started was really interesting because it was clear to me that Man United were trying to slow everything down. And what was interesting is the reason they were trying to slow everything down is because they were draw- trying to draw Arsenal out. And that's why uh, Anana was taking so long and he was waiting for Arsenal to press. And we pressed hard in that first half. We pressed hard all over the match. Like the amount of times I'm sure you guys can remember where you see Erdegaard chasing down from like the, you know, if it's Martinez that's drifted left wide on the edge of the six yard box on a goal kick. And then Onana's played it to him and then back like Erdegaard chasing down, Eddie chasing down. We chased and we pressed for the first, like, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes or something. But then afterwards, it was almost like we said, OK, we see what you're trying to do here. So we're going to we're still going to press you, but we're going to press in specific moments, in key moments. I thought that was really interesting because I think what United wanted wanted to do was pull Arsenal towards them and then hit them with space in behind on the transition. But perhaps that speaks to a more sensible and uh, pragmatic Arsenal team in that we weren't doing that. And even there was times in the first half and the second half where Ramsdale did the same thing. Ramsdale had the ball at his feet. Ben White had the ball at his feet. Um, Gabriel or Saliba or Zinchenko, like they were almost walking pace at times. And it was very, it felt like a chess game. It was a bit cat and mousey. So I was really interested with that and how that played out. I think this is an Arsenal team that's learned from last season. Um, okay, so will you would you keep playing Havertz or would you bring him off the bench? No, would you, no because this, you is, this should be a meritocracy. And a meritocracy means that you have, you know, everyone can have a bad game. But and I guess we're only up to four games. Yeah. But how long are we going to give it? Like if maybe if the Everton away game, he, if he starts and has a stinker, then you've got to start saying, this is five games now. This isn't a, uh, you know, this isn't an isolated one bad game. This is a player that's just out of form. I don't know how you play him into form if he's not playing, but I don't yeah. really know the answer. I don't want to, I don't want to bag on uh, Havertz, but at the moment it's not working. Okay, so it was his sloppy ball that lost in midfield, but there was still work to be done by the defence cookie, and they didn't do it. They let him come in on his right foot, and bang, he scores. I'm not being funny. Before he even took a bloody shot, I knew he was going to score. 
I just knew he, as he was cut, I was like, don't let him shoot. And he was in. Um, as much, an icon, <laughs> Marcus Rashford is in the most amazing human. And if he didn't play for Man United, I'd be more in love with him than I am. I think as a, as a person, uh, he plays for United and I can't stand that. However, the defence cooks. Havertz lost the ball, but there's still work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just having my very small opinion on the Kai Havertz thing as well. Um, I agree with Chris. I don't think he should necessarily be playing when we've got options there in particular. I think my worry with our midfield at the minute is uh, a lack of physicality potentially because I know Havertz is absolutely massive, but he's very frail as well. Like he is very slender and doesn't have the physicality of, say, Hoyland. When he came on, I was looking at Hoyland and I just thought, God, if Havertz could use his body in the way Hoyland uses his, mm. he would be magnificent. But he just doesn't, um, which is a real shame because he is enormous. Like he has so much potential to be a physical player. Um, but I think at the moment, if we're being totally realistic and honest with ourselves, Kai Havertz is a downgrade on Granite Jacker for the here and now. That's not to say that will change. I really hope it does. But right now we've got a player who's had two assists in his past two games, waiting in the wings, who I feel deserves a chance in Fabio Vieira. This is his season, I feel, to really stamp his authority on the team. And with Declan Rice in behind, we've got the perfect man to let him just roam, be himself. He's got Erdegaard alongside him, who's good at the defensive aspects of the game as well. And then you've got someone like Emil Smith-Rowe. These are two guys that I think deserve an opportunity ahead of Kai Havertz at the moment. When you consider that we've got the Champions League, the League Cup coming up. There are plenty of opportunities for Havertz to play games uh, and to get goals, get assists. So I'm not too worried about him not getting minutes. And, you know, if we're winning the game at Everton, bring him on at 60 minutes. Let's see what he can do. But going back to your question about the defence, yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. The defence has to do more. Ben White, uh, just, I I love Ben White. I think he's been fantastic so far this season. But, yeah, he's nowhere near his man and he has to get a lot tighter. And, you know, the fact that, Rashford is looking, staring down a barrel of William Sleeper and Ben White and neither of them can do anything about it. Uh, I feel really sorry for Aaron Ramsdale because it was so close to being a spectacular save. But, you know, fantastic finish. He he, he scored a brilliant goal against us last season. And just as it was last season means absolutely nothing. So, you know, we can look back in our uh, non-biased way and just say, you know, Great goal, but frustrating for us not to keep a clean sheet. Frustrating for our defence not to keep another clean sheet at the Emirates Stadium. It's something that, as I mentioned previously, we've, we've got to eradicate because it, it is a problem. You know, a team like Manchester City takes their first chance and scores. We don't come back from that. It's very unlikely we do. So, yeah, it's it's a big concern for me, but thankfully it didn't cost us on the day. But And, and I'm just going to put that comment back up that, Carl said, uh, Carl Fern, I can see it. It's very true. And welcome to the show, Carl. Remember when most fans were against Xhaka, we need to give Kai support and encouragement. I would play him against Everton. I'm with him as well on that. I'm with him as well. And also, I think it is also as well, there must be something that Arteta sees because he's a winner, Arteta. He plays to win. He's just not going to put someone in our team that he doesn't think his work is going to work. I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he was putting some good balls through. Um, Havertz. He wasn't. He made some great blocks as well. He did yeah. make some really important. He wins blocks. his jewels. He's he, not terrible. No, he's not terrible by any means. I mean, if he starts against Everton, I'm not going to be up in arms about it at no. all. You know, I've, I've not. I'm, I don't hate the guy that much. I just think you know we we've got to 
play the guys that are playing really well. Um, but then again, you know, I'm all for playing him into form. And if Everton is the game where we win 1 0 and he scores the winning goal, I'm all for that. So I think we're, we're grinding out results for the minute. And that's not to his detriment. Um, but I think he, he has to start performing, performing because there will come a point where we just can't have a passenger in the team. Um, but again, that's not to say that he was a zero out of 10 yesterday because he did make some brilliant, brilliant blocks. And as Chris said, better in the second half. And let's hope he can bring that into the game against Everton if he is to start. But it's good that we've got options, you know, even with the party yeah. injury, Lovely. we have got options there. Lovely can I just today. can I just pull this up on screen? I know we might get to that, but seeing as we're talking specifically about Havertz, uh, and Gemini Jedi has said, "Shamey died when he might dived when he might have scored." I actually don't think it was a dive. You could, there was contact. There if was. there's contact, and this is a frustrating thing. Actually, again, we're zipping, but because we're focusing on Havertz, it might be worth just mm. discussing that just for a minute or two, Amanda. But for me. I found that a baffling decision from the referees because there was contact. It's soft. But we've had soft penalties where I've looked at it and gone, that's a soft penalty that we've conceded, but there is contact. David Luiz got sent off because I was just of about to bring that touches against no, Wolves. No, soft. the Wolves player kicked him and he got a penalty. He kicked him and got a penalty. This is a penalty in, in, in the new way we play, Chris. This is a penalty. So when you're at the ground like you two were, I can't we can't see it. So everyone is saying, oh it's so soft, it's not a penalty. So all oh, right, it's not a penalty. I'm I'm fine with it. I'll go on what the ref said. He went to look at the screen. When I got home and watched it, I was like, that is a penalty. He is touched. And if you're if you're running at speed, any touch is going to bring you down. So just, just uh, we will talk about that in a second. But I want to talk about the referee. That first half referee should be penalised for not booking that player that threw that ball away in front of where I sit. So he picks the ball up and throws it a quarter of the length of the pitch. I'm not even exaggerating. Throws it. We're all up in arms. Apparently the player went, "I didn't hear you. Why are you throwing the ball away then?" You. I'm sorry, the ref waved play on. And the problem that you've got because of what happened to Tommy Asu at Palace, we are constantly screaming consistency. You can't have consistency when you don't have the same referee on the pitch. That That's never going to happen. His opinion was, what? He should be penalised for that because that is a new law, rule, rule, whatever you call them. You throw that ball away, that's a yellow card. Time wasting. Onana time wasted the whole of the, whole of the game. He finally gets a yellow card. And I looked at Carl and I said, we don't matter he gets a yellow card. He's never going to send him off. He's never going to get two yellows here. He should have booked him 10 minutes in when he kept doing it. And it feels a little bit unjust. I, I don't rate that referee anyway. He comes from Manchester. I do not understand how he gets Manchester, Manchester-based games. I just don't get it. Um, anyway, anything else that you want to say about the referee in the first half? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And and I'm just going to say this about Barnaby because someone else said this to me. I haven't seen this Saka challenge. Apparently, his studs were up and it's a red card. Has anyone seen this? Because a lot of people tweeted me about this. I didn't show it in the ground and obviously I was there, so I didn't see it. And I didn't see it last night either. So I'm sorry, Barnaby. It's not that we're being very pro-Arsenal. If Saka did do that, then he would have deserved to go. But I haven't seen it and nor have the boys, so I don't know. But people are talking about that. Spurs fans are talking about that, by the way. Um so they go and score. Your heart sinks because, as, as you said, Cooks, it's their first attempt. It's been mainly us, you know, putting the pressure on, chasing the goalkeeper down. And then we, 35 seconds later, go and do that. And what beautiful football, a beautiful Martinelli assist. And Odegaard, who Alan Algar always says, friend of the show, friend of mine, that Odegaard doesn't do it in the big games. I haven't tweeted him yet about that, but I will. So, Cooks, what do you make of that goal? Splendid. Yeah, really good. Because we just didn't deserve to be behind. And that's what it felt like the team thought as well. They were like, for God's sake, guys, look, we do not deserve to be in this position. So they just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and just did what we should have done so much more of. Just played with initiative and just played through United because that, that that's how easy it is to cut through them. Literally, it's that easy mm. to get through them. Um, just a couple of, you know, one, two passes. Nketiah, uh, Rice, all involved. Martinelli, fantastic in this move as well. You know, to have the composure, to not rush it and find Erdegaard, who is in acres of space. How has he been allowed to get into mm. that much space? It's crazy. If I was United, I would be fuming about where is Casemiro on that one. But it's uh, Ericsson. Wasn't it Ericsson that was... Uh, well, whoever it is, Casemiro, Ericsson, Martinez, they've just left him. They've just absolutely left him. But the finish from Erdogan was just oh. top draw. So powerful. Onana stood no chance. Um, I really felt after that, you know, we, we'd go on to score again quite quickly. But perfect time to score. And yeah, uh, unbelievable move. Chris, I mean, Erdegaard, again, I we love him. None of us none of us don't rate him, although there are still some Arsenal fans. I can't even call them fans. But he is just in the right place at the right time. And I think the word is correct, James, splendid. It was magnificent. To come back like that um, at one all was it was such a beautiful move as well. And I, do you know what? Sometimes I often sit there and think, I think we could do with going one nil down. I think we could. I think it'll wake us up. I think it'll just give us that spur. Absolutely. Um, I disagree with you on us going one nil down. I'd rather we never, ever concede another goal again and win every single game by three or four. But obviously that's uh, not a realistic assumption. Um Martin Odegaard is now, and as of last season, a very similar player to the 
guy who used to play, I'm not even going to say his name because it's Chelsea, but that guy who used to play number eight, who uh, has turned into a pretty failed manager. Um, oh, but, uh, okay. Mr. Yeah, FL. Yeah. <laughs> um, late arriving into the box, perfect timing. That If you think about, what, four years ago, uh, or was it five years ago, where we would have a midfield that would get us two or three goals a season because nobody would be in those positions. But Erdegaard has learned that. He's he's learned that over the over his time at Arsenal. And that is so valuable. That's going to get us so many goals. Like, we need to score. If we want to get close to the league title, we've got to get 90 goals this season. Yes. Yeah. That means you've got to get Erdegaard on 10 to 15. You've got to get Saka on 10 to 15. We've got to get a load of people into double figures. And Erdegaard's already on two. I fancy him to get into double figures quite comfortably this season. And it will, and he will do it by those kind of late arrivals. It's absolutely brilliant. The movement is fantastic. When I rewatched that gap, that goal, I was like, that's your archetypal perfect sort of Arsenal goal. If you're talking about lovely football, great build-up, good movement, one touch. Eddie Nketiah receives the ball, just one touch off to Martinelli, who then looks up and just drops it back to Erdegaard. You know what? We score 40 or 50 of those goals this season. I would be delighted because that was amazing. Oh, it was beautiful. And the thing is, the minute he got it, like I thought with Rashford, he's going to score. Erdogan's not going to miss from there. And he's just, oh, I love him so much. So it's one all. We go in at the break and was, yeah, Havertz was second half. Um, and it's buzzy. It, I mean, for people that are not there, um, the atmosphere was so electric yesterday and we were, we just couldn't wait for it all. A full ground. Uh, we were singing all the game. I couldn't really hear United singing. That's not me just saying it, but I think there was a lot of us. Um, everyone is as one. We're one all against United and out comes the second half. I mean, I'll start with you, Chris. So at half time, did you think... I mean, obviously, I knew he was going to make the subs because obviously I'm mystic manned at the moment. But did you? I, I actually called for Jesus earlier than 15 minutes. Um, we start off, and I think we start off pretty well, second half. Yeah, um, there was, and there wasn't. There, there was an added impetus, but I still saw Man United and Arsenal trying to be very cute in terms of in possession. There was times where you saw players at walking pace, but it really felt like Arsenal uh, wanted to control it. What they didn't want to do is get caught too open. I do think Manchester United in that second half were better than they were in the first half. They basically mm. scored with their only attempt. And I, again, I haven't seen any of the stats and I didn't manage to watch any of the match of the day stuff or anything on Sky Sports, but... To me, it felt like in the first half, it was like Arsenal with the impotence, impetus, Man United just trying to catch us cold, which is what they did. In the yeah. second half, it felt like it was they were they were a little they found a few more spaces, but I feel like we created a few more chances as well. Um, I'm always going to say that because it's in front of the North Bank where we, where I am, and uh, yeah, it always feels like we create a few more chances in in front of the North Bank. Um, totally biased and partisan view, but. Um, I thought, again, as, as poor as Havertz was in the second half, I did feel like I saw sometimes there were movements that I saw him making, particularly in, yeah. 15, in the first 15 minutes, where he's trying to run in behind and he just wasn't getting found. So maybe there's an element of uh, Havertz needing to be on the same wavelength for players like Martinelli or stuff like that. But the real change happened when we made the substitutions. And I think we need to get Arteta credit for that because 
captaincy. He's the guy that's making those substitutions. And I'm sure we've all been on this pod before and talked about in the past about how sometimes his subs didn't quite work. But I think each of his substitutions was the right substitution at the right time as well. So just going to the penalty, um, me and Chris think it is a penalty. Do you, James? Yeah, I mean, it. I, I'm not going to say that he, you know, uh, I mean, he, he did make a bit of a meal of it, but I can't really blame him. Like, this happens every single week. Um, and like you said, if you're running at pace, even the slightest bit of contact is going to make you go down. And I think it's just that first initial phase where they, Anthony Taylor has just looked at it a bit too quickly um, and not taken into consideration that he does still leave his knee out and that's actually what trips him up. So, okay, maybe it's a bit soft, but United got a penalty for exactly that. Uh, the other week, you know, we've had yeah. that go against us a thousand times. So, I mean, look, it's one of those ones where do you want to see that type of penalty given week in, week out? If it had gone against us, I think we'd probably have a few fans up in arms. Um, but, you know, given these rules and given how many times we've seen it go against us, it should have been a penalty. And I've, I'm just seeing this comment from Barnaby Jones Barnaby. in the chat room. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's never a penalty in Hoyland. Look, you've got two big guys coming together, grappling at each other. It's the definition of a 50-50. There's nothing in that. There's no way that's a penalty, mate. I'm very sorry, but uh, that's not a penalty. Can I just jump in as well? Actually, just linking on that, uh, Pramod uh, said um, he didn't think it was a penalty, but it wasn't clear and obvious. I think that's a really good point. It's a soft one, but once yeah. it's given, unless it's a mistake, i.e. there is clear evidence yeah. that there is no contact... And we've seen that there was contact. You can't, you can't re-ref the game, and that's what we saw again. We saw this at Old Trafford last season. Um, a, like the foul, like the goal Martinelli scored, the foul Erdegaard made. You know, Arsenal got uh, an apology from the PGM MOL for that. But you can't, you shouldn't be re-refing games, and that's this. That's the same as this instance. The decision should be referees made that. So unless there's something obvious, like both of the players left both of their feet away and didn't touch Havertz as he went down. It's not clear and obvious. And therefore, you have to go with the on-field decision. However, the minute he's run to the screen, I've just sat down because... Yep, me too. He's given a penalty. He's gone to the screen. He was there for a while. It's not clear and obvious. He should have kept it. But you know what? I just I give up with VR. I can't be even asked with it at the moment until we got to, obviously... What was his name? I can't even say who's got the United... Garnacho. I want to call him Gaspaccio, but that's soup, isn't it? But Garnacho, because um, I always get my names wrong. Um, I was sitting there thinking, do you know what? I'll just go with the ref. At least he's gone to have a look at the screen and they've not just cancelled it out. Um, and it is it is a weird one because we wouldn't want these given, but they are given. But they're generally not given to us. They're given against us. And this is where, if and I will go back to David Louise at Wolves, where that attacker hit David Luiz in the leg went down and got a penalty I mean it's just so frustrating however we shouldn't focus on that so okay we haven't got a penalty it's one all um, and I mean have you seen the uh, offside lines and how it was drawn and everything have you seen how uh, Gabriel is standing like literally leaning back it's bizarre someone says it's the best bit of defending they've ever seen um, for an offside so, with regards to, are you two in agreement that he was offside? Yes. Let's start with that first. He is offside. 
It's a fact. Yep. He's offside. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that now the lines are drawn by computers, apparently, that there can't be any sort of discussion on that. Um, I I didn't call it when I was in there. I thought he'd scored. I thought, oh, my, this is it. And then I was thinking, I looked at, you know, Carl, my cousin. I went, I hope um, my prediction comes true because I went for two all. So I was sitting there thinking, please, God, we just get another goal. When it went to VAR and it was quite a while, I started to get a bit confident. I was like, this is this could be chalked off here. This could this could go back to one all. It goes back to one all. And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not talking this. And I'm going, goes back to one all, we've got a really good chance here because he's going to bring the subs on. He's going to bring the subs on. And I've just got a feeling that, the bench was so good with Tommy Asu, Vieira, Jesus, it's Trossard. We've got so much choice. It's fabulous. You forget Jorginho as well, you know, if we need him. So we all agree in agreement it was offside. Fine. And then, I mean, <laughs> we haven't even mentioned Eklund Rice's name yet. I mean, we could do a whole show about him. And saying that, as soon as I left the Emirates, I contacted... Um, Declan's early years coach, Anthony, who, Anthony Gale, son of Tony Gale, who was on our show. And the first question I said to him, what are we getting for 105 million quid? And he told us, and let me tell you what he told us, exactly what we've been seeing. And Anthony has said he would have come on tonight, but he's working still. He does a lot of coaching. Um, he's very happy to come back on and we're just going to have a Declan Rice show. So anyone that's in love with Declan Rice and wants to be in the chat room, and we just it's just going to be the Declan Rice show again. We're going to come back and talk to him about Because you two weren't on the pod, were you? I wasn't. Oh, were you on it, James? Yeah, do you remember? Um, Alan was on it as well. And Alan tweeted me and said, remember what Anthony said. It's so true. We're all in love with Declan Rice. We are. He is. He is the epitome of what our captain is going to be in years to come. He is the epitome of a boy that has come, and it's not his childhood club. We, we know that. But he walks around so grateful to be there. The smile on his face, everything about him, everything he does, uh, uh, honestly, Declan Rice to me, he is the new folk hero. So, Cookie. Talk to me about his goal, what led up to it, and how mental did we all go? Yeah, it was. It's just one of those money can't buy moments, isn't it? You know, if uh, someone had told me this game is going to cost the price of your season ticket, but you're going to have one of those moments, I'd probably pay it twice over. It was. Uh, it was that good. I mean, we left it late against United last season. It was bedlam. It was bedlam against Bournemouth. This was, you know, on on another level. Given what had happened just before, because I think all of our hearts were in our feet, given that uh, United had that goal um, mm. that went in the back of the net. And, and we thought it, it was game over. The people next to me, still can't believe this, the people next to me left. They left the game, um, I, which, again, I can't get my head over. You know, they showed it on Match of the Day. They showed it on Sky Sports. Droves of Arsenal fans that left as soon as that goal went in. I mean, come on. like I don't think be it was Droves. I saw 30 people in a, in a screenshot. There, there were a good few around me that left. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's season ticket holders in front of me that leave on 70 minutes every single game, That's which I'll never mad. get my head around. But yeah, a couple of people around me left. Um, and I think a lot of people at that point in the game when Rice got the goal were resigned to it maybe being a draw. But one thing you should remember with this Arsenal team is that 
we create something out of nothing in those last gasp moments. We did it so many times last season. And uh, this was just, again, one of those held to the lever moments. And brilliant from him to get in that position, you know, great positional awareness to bring it down, to control it. And then just to take the shot on, because a lot of people wouldn't do that. He said it himself that an older version of himself probably would have crossed that back into the box. But to have the audacity to to give it a go, I don't think anyone was expecting him to do that. Brilliant goal. I, I'm For him to score it in such a big game for our stellar signing, I mean, I, you, you said it him, yourself, you know, he's he's going to be the new cult hero at Arsenal. Him, Bakayo Saka, Aaron Ramsdale, um, Martin Erdegaard. I mean, all these guys I think we're all madly in love with. So he's just another one that uh, I can't wait to get a picture of on my wall sometime soon. So... Anthony on the show, um, Alan Algar picked up the point that Declan didn't score much for West Ham. And Anthony said, because he's going to be playing a little bit more further forward, you watch how many goals he gets. Well, here we go. Game three, is it? I don't know how many games we've had. Three games, four games, four games. He's already got a goal. And the, the audacity to even go for it, to not even worry about, just have a shot. We need to do more of that. It did get slightly deflected. However, Nothing can take away from the fact that he is, I truly believe Christopher is going to be a legend. I truly, truly believe this, that what a player. I don't care how much he costs. And I'm slightly in disagreement with you right at the back of the programme when you win. I know people say it's not our money. It's not our money. As long as they do right with our money and they earn $105 for this player, what would he be worth now if if we sold him in the next window? Well, it's four games in, so let's let's not oh, I know, let's not start on. selling him in January or, or just yet. But um, <laughs> no, never sell him. But yeah, he's. Um, I think the adaptation period has basically been days. We're talking about Havertz and having you know playing different systems and having to learn how to play in Arteta's Arsenal. Well, Rice is having to do the same thing. But I think that's the difference, and that's why they they paid that extra amount, and that's also why. Yesterday, so we played Manchester City last season and Thomas Partey was injured for the home game and that and Jorginho came in. And although Jorginho wasn't, he didn't do anything massively wrong, he was not the same. It was a clear drop down in quality. You cannot tell me that Declan Rice is a drop down in quality from Thomas Partey in at the number six. Um, and that's what we've paid the money for. We We've had... A situation exactly as we've always experienced every season. Thomas Partey has got injured for a period of time. And we've got Declan Rice, who is now bossing the midfield. And not only is he bossing the midfield, he's always dro- he was dropping deep to pick up the balls from Ramsdale. Uh, he, was fi- he was always there for both Saliba and uh, Gabriel to pick up the ball. I mean, Arteta, I can see why Arteta was so desperate for him. Because he's like, similar to how Arteta was when he played for us, only is better. He's got a bigger engine. He's he's come at Arsenal at a young an, an age where hopefully we've got him for you know six, seven, eight, nine, ten years because he, he he could be that good. And if he can stay fit the whole time, hey, what a player we have! How was your hangover after you celebrated Declan Rice? Well, I didn't have a hangover because I was. Uh, oh, what you mean? As in how how rough was I feeling? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> how did yeah, you okay. feel? Um, I think on about. 75 minutes I started to feel like a normal human again um <laughs> on the uh when Garnacho scored I was just like this has just been the shittest day ever <laughs> but when that went in yeah 
I forgot that I was feeling rough as old boots. <laughs> Let's just say that. So we go 2-1 up. And for people that weren't there, it was incredibly electric. It was mental. We started to believe. I don't even know what minute. I'm so lost with how many minutes we're playing now. That um, it goes 2-1. They all run to the corner of the North Bank opposite to where I am, really. Um, and I'm just, just, I'm speechless. It is incredible. Everyone's kissing everyone. Everyone's jumping. Everyone's going mad. Um, were the subs on at this point? Yeah, they were, weren't they? The subs were on, of course, because... Um, yes, Jorginho uh, yeah. came on on 90 minutes and nine minutes into injury time. So Jorginho got like the last two minutes. He takes off Erdegaard for Jorginho. I mean, I, the, the balance I don't now, like that. I really no, don't like that. Well, <laughs> I, got not in a game like this. In a game like this, mate, that's fine. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. I, Mm, I don't know. I um, like Jorginho. I think I got nothing against the guy, but I just think there are certain game states where it works, and certain game states where you just don't need work. to do it. it <laughs> yeah. did work. I mean, we're talking about like two, three minutes. I don't think you could properly try and test it. What was the game where he did it last time against Fulham, and it didn't yeah, no, work? Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm Fulham. Not of it. No, but this game, yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. It worked for this one. Anyway, moving on. Not going to argue about subs. So he brings on right. How many right? So Jesus for Eddie, wasn't it? Because I'm getting confused. Vieira for Havertz, Tommy for Zinni. Is that right? Yeah. Right, fine. And 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 you're in awe because you've got three great players. I love Tommy. Vieira's stepping up. And I've I'm always been in love with Jesus. We go 2-1 up. The place goes mental. We start believing we can win this. United are starting to, to look desperate. And I just I'm gonna ask you both. For your views on the, the pass, the football build-up to Jesus' goal. Go on, Cookie. I mean, it's first of all, really good work by Reese Nelson, who I think has been a little bit overlooked in this one because he came on, which I was really surprised about. I definitely didn't did see him come coming on. on. Uh, Martinelli, he came on oh, for yeah, Martinelli, yeah, yeah. which... Um, I like Reese Nelson. Yeah, I thought he was good when he came on, to be honest. I'd like to see a bit more of him this season. But... Uh, yeah, it was good work from him to get the ball first of all into Fabio Vieira. And then again, that pass from Vieira, just as he did against Aston Villa last season, puts his man through one-on-one, inch-perfect pass. Mm. I'm so happy for the guy. But then it's all down to Jesus, and this could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. I saw a screenshot on Twitter yesterday of a comparison between Lacazette running in one-on-one and uh, Jesus running in one-on-one. And the, the capture was just like, this is the upgrade right here. Just... You, we all remember that Lacazette one-on-one where he put it onto the crossbar. And to have a guy that's actually capable of, you know, sitting a defender on his ass and then putting it... Cool Sending Gallo for yeah. a half. He's still going. He's still sliding. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was just fantastic. And for Jesus on a personal level, I mean, this is his yeah. second game of the season. You know, he's not started either of them. He's, he's played, what, half an hour across both of these games, if that. And yeah, for him to score, I think it's really big for him. And as good as Eddie was, um, who I did think had a really good game, to be honest, his hold-up play was excellent. Mm. The way he brought other players into the game just wasn't really on the end of those opportunities. But, you know... Um, it could be a real toss-up between him and Jesus starting the game against Everton. But I think in that cameo we saw from Jesus, you just see the quality there and why he is our number nine. And I think it will probably be him that goes uh, into that striking role from here on in. But to Eddie's credit, been fantastic in the couple of games he has started this season. A lot better than in, in, in you know the majority of the games that he played for us last season. 
And I think we've got real good competition in that striking role now. And it's really exciting. So if any either of you have listened to Peter Drury's commentating of that goal, yeah. I swear I'm in love with the man already. And someone then <laughs> tweeted how Martin Tyler would have said the same goal. It is quite funny. Thank God Sky have signed up Peter Drury. I want him on every game of ours. He's so dramatic. He's so theatrical. He's so amazing. I love him. Um, and, and you honestly, there's a lot of TikTok videos that people are putting together with his commentary and the and the goal. It's just beautiful to watch. And what I love so much is that he, yeah, totally correct. He, he's immense. He's just fantastic. And I think that I think social media pushed jury to. I think Sky. Because it wasn't only us that was raving about him, all clubs that, you know, he uh, commentated on. Anyway, but moving on from that. So, up steps Vieira, Christopher, with the most sublime pass, calm, cool, collected. We tear them open. And Jesus is running towards you two because you're in the North Bank and we're watching him. And I do find it strange, and I'm not criticising anyone for this, but my first instinct isn't to get my phone out and video it yet so many did because I think they thought he was going to score I live in the moment I'm just enjoying him running and I'm thinking this this is it this is Jesus and 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 as much as you have to realize as well he was an ex-city player to score against the team that were your rivals for so long I love Jesus. I'm so happy for him, Christopher, that I woke up this morning and I just had a massive smile on my face. Yeah, I, and I think it was an important goal for him to get as well because, let's be honest, he was looking good in pre-season and he has, um, Arteta has been easing him in yeah. and this is the perfect sort of foil for him. I mean, what's been helpful for us, I think he said some comments about it post-game as well around how, you know, Eddie and Ketia playing well is good for Arsenal. And that's the right type of attitude. And it's the right type of attitude you need from all of our players. I think Gabriel Jesus also realises that, yes, he's the centre forward. Yes, he plays number nine. And yes, he will get that place back off of Eddie eventually. But he's also versatile. He can play left. He can play right. So I think Gabby Jesus knows that he's going to get lots of games. This isn't going to be an instance where suddenly we, we just see him as an impact sub. So it's about feeding him back in. It's about giving him the opportunities. He's got his goal. It's top stuff. And now hopefully after the international break, you know, he, he probably, you know, he's only just come back from injury. So hopefully I don't think he's been called up for Brazil. Let's get him a nice bit of a uh, week or two in on the training pitch. And let's have him ready for Everton. Interestingly, we've got a City fan in the um, chat room. He's also a big, big confidence player. So that's going to, mm. That is going in. It's big for him. He tends to have peaks and troughs. I don't think he had peaks and troughs with us, did he? I th- yeah. Last season, yeah, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't remember. Linked, I know he got injured. Was linked to injury, I think, more than anything else, because he took a while to get going, and then he sort of faded a bit at the end. But, yeah. Yeah, I just loved it. Oh, my God. It was amazing. And, again, we then went mental. And we wish we'd have had, like, five or ten minutes left to actually enjoy it, because it literally was what? A minute or so, he he blew, and it was just incredible. And then Declan Rice. Now that's when I did get my video out, and I didn't sing, so I could post it for everybody. That when they played Rice 
um, ice, rice, rice baby, ice, ice baby. And he's walking along, clapping everybody, going to the North Bank. Not all the players do it. Erdegaard does, Saka does occasionally. He does. He's done it twice now for us. He just, he loves it. You know, he loves us already. He's like he's been here years. Declan Rice, what a man. But that Goldberg Jesus. <laughs> and then they go jumping in the crowd. And and the scenes of the crowd and the North Bank lower, it's just incredible. It really just was the most magnificent day um, we had. And, and for me, um, my number one hate is Tottenham, and it always will be. My second, and I tweeted this, is United. And I know a lot of people say, oh, no, it's United for me, it's United for me. I think it's an age thing as well, that people that were born around London and Essex... It's going to be Tottenham. It's going to be Arsenal. It's not going to be anyone else. But I think maybe if you were born in different areas or different parts of the globe, it's not Tottenham for you. It's United. Who is it for you, James? Because you're sort of Essex, London, aren't you? Mm. Oh, God. I, I could put Tottenham, United and Chelsea as a trio, to be quite honest. All three of them I absolutely despise. Um Maybe for me, like, you know, you live in a similar area to me, you get a lot of Essex Reds. Uh, so I think that's maybe played a part. Got a lot, a lot of uh, glory hunters around here, as you like to call it. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think, I, I, especially in this day and age, you don't see a lot of Tottenham fans on Twitter, do you? It always seems to be United, 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 and Chelsea, and Chelsea, and Chelsea. But the whole world is not just run by Twitter. No, of course it's not. Of course it's not. Families, uh, I, I, no, you know, if we're if we're being historic, so it's always the North London derby. I want to win above all else. So for that reason, yeah, it would be Tottenham. Yeah, I was going to get to that. If we only had, to, if we could only beat one, it would be Tottenham. All day long. Chris, yep. what about you? Yeah, no, I can't oh, add to okay. anything. It's just Tottenham all day long. Um, so I was born up in, born and raised up in Harlow. So, you know, it's a very Tottenham, Tottenham. West Ham, yeah, Tottenham, West Ham, but mainly Tottenham heavy area. So, But you do find like people are arguing me. So you can, you can hate who you want more, but it'll always be Tottenham for me. I was born that way. My whole, half my family are Tottenham. So it's just, it doesn't it, it doesn't come close but United are second I don't care about Chelsea they don't bother me they never bother me anyway it was more it's more probably Liverpool as well next um big clubs I suppose um anyway okay look it's just been the most amazing show we needed a couple of questions boys anything that yes. you want so we have Phil has jumped in with, is there different expectations? This is an interesting one. Different expectations on Saka because um, of how good he is, which I think is a good question because I don't think he was great against Fulham. No. And I don't think he was great yesterday. But his great is a six and a half, seven out of ten, which is, you know, it's a lot better than many other players we've had in recent years. What I didn't think he played very well yesterday. I said that. Um no. And, and it's very hard, isn't it, to sort of criticise. You just can't. You can't criticise Saka. I just can't do it. But, Cookie, I didn't think he'd played that well. No, he wasn't tearing up any trees uh, by any means. But, you know, he, he does the basics, even when he's not having a great game. You know, he works hard. He does his defensive bit. Um, he still creates opportunities for other players. 
Uh, but, you know, his, his performance yesterday, I think, just came down to jumping into the crowd and smothering that guy. I mean, the things I'd have done to have been that bloke that he jumped on. Absolutely fantastic. You know, he's he's another one. We're talking a lot about Declan Rice, but his connection with the, the supporters is is unrivaled as well. Those two, they are the poster boys of Arsenal Football Club. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he, he didn't have his best game. Like I say, he's warming up into the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he bags a couple of goals on international duty with England. He always seems to whenever he goes away. And then he'll come back for Everton, fit firings. Yeah, I think we'll see the best version of Saka after this international break. That would be amazing. Yeah. He did with an open goal, though, didn't he? He did. You know, it would have been, he would have scored that. And he didn't, he didn't really get much power on it. But anyway, I can't criticise that. I just can't do it. Anyway, any more questions? Yeah, we've got one more, uh, which is from Yamara G. Did Vieira do enough to warrant a starting spot next match or still do better off the bench? I think for me, get him on. Give him a go. But I don't think he will because I think he's going to give uh, Harvard uh, another game or so. I think you need to have half a dozen games before we, we start saying, OK, do we need to change this? And I think probably that's what's going to happen. Cookie, what do you think? I'd be the same as you. I'd like to see Vieira start. Uh, you know, you can only be a bench player for so long and we, we need players who are producing numbers. At the minute, he's doing that. Habits isn't. Um, but then again, would he have the same impact starting a game? I'm not so sure, especially in the midfield that uh, is going to have, um, you know, no Thomas Partey in it. That's what, I, that's what I was speaking about earlier on in the show. I do worry a little bit about the lack of physicality we've got. But if Declan Rice can mop up, then uh, he, he could really flourish. But coming into a game, starting a game at Everton away, very physical game. We know it's going to be like that coming up against the likes of Garda Gay and uh, Decore. Um, you know, it could be a game that he's very quickly phased out of. But you know what? He's in the Premier League. He's got two assists so far this season. I think he's earned his start. Let's give it a go. I cool. think I'd prefer him off the bench. So we shall see. Mm. We shall see. Any more left or are we going on to predictions for Everton? Oh, let's do one more. Um, and it is uh, Rob Stevens. Alan Smith said, does the Emirates have the best atmosphere? What do you people think? I saw this tweet and I said, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I'm not in any other grounds. All I know is that I have been telling people for the last probably 18 months how incredible it is. And people have said that when they've come, you know, and been in the way and they're shocked at how good it is. Um, the best, I don't know. I mean, where else? Tottenham play it through their speakers, although they deny it. Um, United, is it's not great. I've been there many times. Liverpool, Palace. Oh, I'm sorry. Palace is good, but then that drum, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Um, I think our atmosphere is incredible. Um Nottingham Forest last season, I still go on about that game where they sung from minute one to 93 and did not stop. They rocked it. We've got a brilliant atmosphere. The best, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be the same for me. I've, I I think the atmosphere of the Emirates has gotten so much better than what it has been in previous years. You know, we've all been going to the stadium for a long time and I don't think I've experienced a better atmosphere than this. I, I remember when Danny Welbeck scored that goal against Leicester when we were on the precipice of winning a league in 2015-16. And that was the only real standout moment I can think of in my Emirates going era. Uh, but we've had so many of them in the past, you know, season and a half, you know, and beyond. So, yeah, the, the atmosphere is the best I've ever known it at the stadium, for sure. Um, but best in the league, I don't know, I don't want to toot my own trumpet. 
It was the loudest. I've, I, I couldn't hear our fans because Carl's put that comment out. I couldn't hear our fans. And when I went on the uh, Nottingham Forest podcast, I nearly said Notts Forest, Nottingham Forest podcast, um, I said that. I started off by saying that. I said, you were incredible that day. I couldn't even hear our fans and we can always hear our fans. Mm. But our fans are off next, aren't we? Um, to Goodison Park because there's no football this weekend. So we're going to do predictions and then we're going to talk about the fact that, no, we're not going away next weekend and what guest we have. So I'm going one all at Goodison Park. I'll take a draw now. It is our bogey grounds. I can't stand it. I'm going to be away in Bournemouth watching it in a pub with God knows who, but I'm going to be watching it because the game's been moved, isn't it, now to Sunday afternoon. We then play Everton, PSV Eindhoven and then Tottenham, which I'm shame we had PSV beforehand, but we do. So... Um, one all. I've written it in my book. Cookie, what's yours? So I think we're actually going to get our first real hammering of the season. Not, oh not, not, no, no, no. We, we're going to do it. It's not going to be inflicted on us. I oh. think, uh, yeah, no, I, I, poor choice of words for me. Um, we've got to get over this Everton hoodoo. Everton are rubbish. <laughs> Sorry, all due respect to them. They have been so poor at the start of this season. I'm going 4 0 Arsenal win. Wow. Okay. Um, Chris? I'm with Cookie. It's time to break this hoodoo. This is stupid now. I mean, I'm just looking at it. Everton beat us 1-0 last season. The season before last, it was 2-1. The season before that, it was 1-0. This is all Everton. Uh, season before that, we drew 0-0. Um, the season before that, uh, we won 1-0 during COVID era. So, no, I've had enough of this. 3-0 Arsenal. Well... You two are 4-0, 3-0, and I'm 1-0. Well, look, please, God, I'm wrong. I'm often wrong anyway, aren't I? So that that bodes well for you two getting it. Hopefully, young cookie, you'll get your hat-trick. Because 4-0 away at Everton, then we start going, bring on PSV. So much is going on. And this is why we need the squad that we've got. Um, Okay. So... Next weekend, I think, is it, is it international? Is that why we haven't got any football? Yeah. The Interdale, great. Please got our players come back fit and healthy. There's always someone. Um, but next Sunday night, we decided to get a guest on. And we've got Charles Watts coming on to talk about his book, Revolution, The Rise of Arteta's Arsenal. 7.30 next Sunday night. Now, Charles has a massive presence on YouTube, massive presence on social media. If you want to come and join us, it will be Sunday evening, 7.30. You can ask him questions. It's all going to be about what he knows. Anything about the Arsenal, we're going to be asking him everything. Um, any other business, boys, before we go? Not from me. Ah, we need people to subscribe because Cookie's now doing preview shows and they could be Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and I'm never going to know. So you're best off subscribing. To those on audio, please rate us, please star us, because apparently it's important. Um, all I was left to say is it's just like a couple of dogs on a pair of ice skates trying to shag. And on that note... she trying is... to talk about us, Cookie? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I tell you something, I've never sung an opposing team's name, but when Harry Maguire came on, we were all singing his name. So it's good night from them on their ice skates. It's good night from us. And 
Always Arsenal. Always Arsenal. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.